five o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Lots of fun to start a Friday, a football Friday here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Flagship of the Pirates and Eastern North Carolina's destination for sports. 94.3 The Game. Welcome in. We've got a Pirate Report. Comments from Coach Houston coming up in just a bit. Also uh, coming up, we will talk with uh, Doug Martin. That's next segment, so stand by for that. One-time ECU offensive coordinator and uh, Coach Martin uh, has been excellent this year. The uh, former Kent State, New Mexico State head coach as our uh, college football analyst here on the Patrick Johnson Show. We'll connect with Adam Gold a little bit later on. Nice to be on uh, AG's show today. Uh, which you heard here on 94.3 The Game and, of course, statewide in North Carolina. A reminder that starting Monday, we are going to have the Doug Gottlieb Show live for you from uh, 3 o'clock till 5 o'clock. Then we'll be on, of course, 5 to 6. And then it's Covino and Rich from 6 to 7 here on 94.3 The Game, part of our new programming lineup. So all live shows uh, from the morning through Dan Patrick, through Adam Gold, Doug Gottlieb, yours truly, and then uh, the show following ours uh, will be a brand new show. Looking forward to bringing that to you here on the flagship of the Pirates, 94-3, the game. And a quick reminder that our coverage tomorrow for ECU Homecoming 2020 on Hall of Fame weekend will begin at 4 o'clock with our Pirate Game Day Countdown pre-show. Ben Byram will have that for you. And then join Terrence Copper and myself from outside the Town Bank Tower for Bush Light Pirate Game Day Countdown beginning at 4.30. Our network coverage will commence at 5.30 as 107.9 WNCT, the 100,000-watt flame-throwing flagship of the Pirates, takes the air. Jeff Charles, Kevin Monroe back in the booth, Marty Fuhr, David Horn, and yours truly getting you through the uh, coverage. I'll have scores throughout the day from college uh, football uh, throughout the network broadcast and then We'll wrap everything up uh, across the network on the Pirate postgame report. Hopefully a Pirate victory on homecoming. Uh, but again, our coverage begins at 4 o'clock tomorrow afternoon right here, 94.3 The Game and 94.3thegame.com. It is week nine of the high school football slate. We have a lot of important games to tell you about, including one right here on our airwaves tonight. The Rose Rampants battling their longtime uh, rival, the Newburn Bears. That game at Caruso Coach Stadium in New Bern, so our announced crew will be out in the bleachers. Hey, I've done that duty before. Not a lot of fun. They're not gracious hosts to the uh, green and blue. Uh, but, uh, hey, they do that for everybody. But, hey, it'll be fun. The guys will be there amongst the folks, I guess you could say. Uh, New Bern's got a really good team. They have uh, been on quite a roll this season. And uh, New Bern offensively has been a double-digit scoring machine in 28 straight games. So in other words, for the last 28 games they've played uh, under Coach Torrey now and uh, dating back, they have scored double digits. So uh, they've got a lights-out defense. No, uh, Rose is going to have uh, their their work cut out for him tonight, undoubtedly. 650 coverage. You can uh, listen to it right here 
on the uh, home for Rose Rampant Football, 94-3 the game. Staying in that big Carolina conference, another uh, game of interest tonight. D.H. Conley playing host to Jacksonville. Cards need a win in the worst possible way. Conley looking to bounce back after two straight defeats. Hapless South Central will be at Havelock tonight. You can listen to that game on Groove and Oldies 94-1. Again, coverage begins at 6.50. Some other games we're tracking for you tonight. Tarboro at Riverside. That over in Martin County. Wheat Swamp and North Lenore, who's been run through the Duplin County uh, gamut, will host James Keenan tonight. Green Central, the Rams have a chance to claim the EPC title tonight. They are hosting 4-4 four and four West Craven. We got Beargrass Charter at JP2. Kenston at Wallace Rose Hill. South Lenore hosts East Duplin. Along the coast, Richlands at West Carteret. Swansboro at Croatan. It'll be Dixon at White Oak, a team that is vying for playoff position. Perquimans at Bertie. Gates County will be at Washington County. North Edgecombe will host Weldon. North Duplin at Union. Hobden at Lakewood. Jones Sr. will take on Northside Pinetown. East Carteret at Pamlico. Lejeune at Southside. Aiden Grifton going back to the EPC will play host the Southwest Edgecombe. The Chargers program has dropped 10 straight games overall. North Pitt at Washington in a key matchup tonight. Princeton at South Creek. Big matchup in the northeastern part of the state. Pardon the pun as it is northeastern taking on Manio, a game you'll hear on 1037 WTIB called by uh, Tommy kick his A-double crooked letter bass. It is first flight at Edenton Homes, Currituckett, Pasquotank County, Camden County at Hertford County. My wife's alma mater, Pungo Christian, taking on Madame Mesquite. By the way, an off week for my alma mater, the 6-1 and one Paired Academy Patriots, and my guy Coach Beeman there. Shout out to APA. All right, uh, we've got college football. We told you about ECU tomorrow. Uh, we've got the Battle of the Blues uh, for you, 1037 WTIB, starting at 7 o'clock uh, tomorrow night. You can uh, hear the Duke call of the Duke-UNC game from Durham on Groovin' Oldies 94-1. You can hear the uh, call at 8 o'clock of the uh, Tar Heel broadcast. So all of that is tomorrow. Uh, big weekend ahead here. It is homecoming 2022 Hall of Fame weekend. Big congratulations to all of the ECU Athletics Hall of Famers going in. Banquet tonight, our great friend Marcus Crandall. Also, uh, we have uh, the one and only uh, Harold Varner III, who is not here. He's in Saudi Arabia. But uh, congratulations to those two gentlemen and everybody else who will be involved in uh, that tonight. Uh, Dowdy is also uh, getting inducted. So just a lot of uh, great names from Pirate Athletics lore uh, going into the Hall of Fame tonight. Let's break. When we return, Doug Martin uh, will break down the Pirates and Tigers matchup for you tomorrow and uh, a lot more. So stay with us. You are tuned to uh, the Patrick Johnson Show. Football Friday gets you to the game day weekend edition. You know, you know, you know. Every week on the Patrick Johnson Show, because we promised him the use one day of Henry Hinton and Steve Logan's boat, uh, Coach Doug Martin has agreed to come on uh, with us to talk some ball. It's always great to catch up with the coach. Uh, coach, let me, I'll just say this. Living at the beach and fishing, I think it's a good look for you, by the way. Uh, I'll tell you what, my hair may start to grow back before long, Patrick. All the stress release I've got now, this is this is good stuff here. Has your wife, uh, every every so often, about sometime in July, it's usually after the 4th, my wife will turn to me and say, 
when do you start being gone on the weekends again? You know, ready for me to start the season from a broadcast perspective. So have you gotten that yet? Uh, not yet. She's she's been pretty good with me so far. Yeah, she used to. I know every every year somewhere early in July, she'd say, "Boy, you got that football look in your eye." I know you're not even listening to me. So I haven't heard that this year. That's been kind of nice that we get to communicate a little bit more. There you go. Well, look, Pirates have a huge game this week. Uh, let's uh, before we dive into that, let's uh, do a little post mortem on uh, the game at Tulane. Look, I, you've done you've been there before, where you go somewhere like a Tulane or a UAB or just anywhere, uh, but also where you've been uh, as a head coach, you go on the road, there's nobody there. you got to create your own energy. I don't mm-hmm. know if that was necessarily the case, but it just seems like every it seems like every year there's that one game historically. Everybody has them, but ECU typically has them at a place like Tulane or UAB where there's not a big crowd there. Uh, you know, even, even if the opponent is pretty representative, you just don't hit on all cylinders. I don't know what it is. If that's just a coincidence or, or what, but it just seems like you are going to have that one game a year where nothing is really going to go your way. And that, that's kind of what it seemed like to me happened last Saturday with the Pirates. Well, you know, there's a lot to that. There's some places that are just hard to play because there is no enthusiasm and you have to bring your own emotion. You know, the game when I was coaching at East Carolina, UAB was that game because they played Legion Field and it was 80,000 seats and there was 10,000 people there. And, you know, it was difficult. I know Tulane, the students weren't there, I don't think, last week. And so it was kind of a dead stadium. But, you know, you've got to prepare for that going in and, and know that that's going on uh, and then handle it. But it can be difficult sometimes. There's no question. Well, and, and look, Tulane's good. It's a good football yeah. team. Yep, they are. You they can't, you can't they, make a lot of mistakes against a team like that and, and expect No, that. you can't. And I, I tell you, I, I really thought East Carolina defensively, they're not going to be able to play much better than that. I mean, that was Tulane was hitting on all cylinders offensively. Their quarterback had a great day. But they still held them to 24 points. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you hold somebody to 24 points, like you and I have talked before, you know, you got to win that game. And you've got to score points on offense and win the football game. And I just think, you know, East Carolina's inability to score – which was related a lot to their passing game. I, I think, you know, they only averaged 5.5 yards per attempt, which is really low. I think they got to get better at throwing the ball down the field and uh, and attacking people a little bit more that way. And they can't just be screens and nakeds and those type of things if you're going to score the points that you got to score. And then in the red zone, we talked about that being important for this game. I think they row for two on touchdown yeah. opportunities yeah. in the red zone. and. You know, when you get down there, you've got to score. So I think it just comes down to um, whatever their philosophy is offensively. You know, I'm not in their meetings. I don't know what that is, but they, they've got to get points on the board. That's the biggest thing right now. They're just not scoring enough points to win in those type of games. We got uh, Coach Doug Martin with us. I like the pace at the beginning of the game for ECU on offense. They were really running at a good pace in the first quarter. Then they had that long two-lane drive where they – uh, saw the green wave march down the field, and it just seemed like after that the ECU offense could never get back in that gear that they had early on. Yeah, and it's just making the critical play at critical times. You know, one of the biggest things for a quarterback is you've got to make your play caller dangerous. You know, and by that I mean, you know, your play caller can't be worried about you turning the ball over or you making a mistake. He's got to feel confidence in you. And, uh, you know, I think that's where Ehlers has got to play a little bit better. The first interception they threw in the red zone down there, that was a great call. That post route was wide open. If it's thrown on time, that's a touchdown. And, and so, you know, that's where, you know, those two guys got to work together, coordinator, quarterback, coach, you got to make sure you're all on the same page. But 
you can't make a better call than that now. I mean, they had a touchdown sitting right there, but you got to make those plays. And that was the difference. Tulane's quarterback, he was making those plays, right? I mean, they caught some great 50-50 balls. He threw some really nice balls in there that probably hasn't before. And, uh, yeah, every week it comes down to, you know, your quarterback's got to play well. You know, uh, Steve Logan was not a big advocate on finishing a drive with a, a field goal. And I understand philosophically what he's saying. But I think you do have to finish with some kind of points in the kicking game. If that can be a weapon, that's an asset. Right now for the Pirates, that's a little bit of a, a dicey situation. You've dealt with kickers who, you know, be it an operational thing, be it a confidence thing, be it whatever, uh, have not have, have had struggles. So how do you coach through that? You know, it's, it's a great question, and we all have coaches. You've dealt with kickers that get it gets in their mind, it gets in their head, and they, they have trouble dealing with, uh, you know, just the confidence level. And, you know, one of the great things, when Kevin Miller was our kicker when I was at East Carolina, and Kevin made a, a comment one time. He said, uh, you know, I think Steve asked him, you know, why don't you get all that pressure? Why don't you feel all that? And he Kevin was a golfer. Kevin yeah. East Carolina Golf Scholarship. Yeah, yeah. Coach, I've stood over a lot of six-foot putts. And there's a lot to that, you know. I mean, he just – he was used to that pressure and he, he liked it. Some kickers don't, you know. And I think right now it's just their, their kicker kind of needs a mental break. You know, I mean, he's he's a great kid, I'm sure, and he was a great kicker last year. He needs a little mental break. So if you don't have another option, you don't have another kicker you can use, I think East Carolina's really got to look at the facts that we've got to get into some four-down opportunities in the red zone. Yeah. You know, we may have to go for it until we get down to the 15-yard line. And make the 15-yard line in. That our field. That's our field goal deal until, you know, unless it was late in the game and you know we had to have one at that point. But you got to get him some confidence. Well, man. and I think there's something to be saying. Seen. You know, I've done a lot of basketball over the years. If somebody's if it's not falling for him, they need to maybe go and, and it's a layup or they got to get fouled and they got to yeah. see it go in from 15 feet. Same thing with the guy trying to score in golf. You maybe need to see that putt roll in, even if it's a short putt, just to get going sometimes. Exactly. And then these are tough things for an offensive coordinator because now you know, I think what you've got to do is to find out where is he the most comfortable kicking the ball from? Is it the left hash? Is it the right hash? Does he really want it in the middle of the field? And you've got to try to position the ball there for him. Yeah. Now, you can't control that all the time, but at times you can. You know, you can try to help it get it to where you need it to be. Uh, but I would really look to getting a lot closer in there uh, before they try one. It's homecoming uh, 2022 for the Pirates Hall of Fame weekend. Marcus Crandall going into the uh, ECU uh, Hall of Fame among those uh, honored. We got Coach Doug Martin uh, with us uh, here. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the game. Uh, obviously, Memphis comes in. They are a team that uh, had a huge lead on Houston. Cougars rallied and beat them. They got their act together at the right time and, and did that. So you got that in the back of Houston's mind. That's or uh, Memphis's mind collectively. That's you know could maybe be seeds of doubt or it could be uh, obviously a, a hell of a motivator. So uh, Memphis, I think you know some disagree, but I, I think they've got a really good quarterback in a league full of really good quarterbacks. So I think anytime you have a guy like. And again, you got someone that can make plays, that can do things. You always got a chance. Uh, I don't think they're great defensively. I'm sure you're going to tell me what they do can present problems defensively uh, to the Pirates. So, uh, what do you what do you see in the matchup that I think is key for both teams? I think this is a must win for both sides on on Saturday. Yeah, Memphis is uh, a good all around offense. I don't think they're exceptionally explosive, 
but they're good. You know, they do a good job of taking care of the ball. They're kind of balanced, run pass. I think you need to keep that quarterback in the pocket. He's better when he is on the run and when he's moving around a little bit than he is when he just has to stay in the pocket and throw the football. Um, but they've got some good skilled guys on offense can can make plays. You know, defensively, I, I agree with you. Statistically, they are not a great defense. Yep. You know, they're giving up a lot of yards. But I'll tell you where they are scary, Patrick, is they are causing turnovers. I think they have 13 turnovers right now, and they're plus nine in the turnover margin, which, which is huge. So they're playing good team football right there. And then they've also got 19 sacks. You know, so they are a pressure defense. They want to blitz. And you, you and I had to talk. You know, I, I told you that, you know, Steve Logan told me a long time ago that you're not going to win games calling plays, but you can lose one in a hurry. And Memphis did that last week. You know, they had a 13-point lead. Houston has the ball. And their defensive coordinator went into a drop eight, rush three, the whole series. And Houston went right down the field and scored and was able to onside kick and then get the ball back. And I say that to tell you this, Houston got taught a real lesson. I guarantee you in that defensive staff room, there's been a lot of talks this week of, hey, we're not letting up and we're not doing that again. We're going to keep pressuring. We're going to keep coming after people. We've got to play our style of defense because – it really bit them in that game. If they, had they just kept playing like they were, they beat Houston. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to be real important that, you know, East Carolina can handle the pressures, you know, and you've got to take opportunities when that blitz comes. Those are opportunities to make plays, whether you're throwing the ball deep or you're hit a run and get in there because there's no run support from the secondary when you're playing that much man coverage. So these are going to be opportunities for them. But uh, the turnover margin is going to be big. Memphis does a great job of taking it away. They don't give it up very much. So that's going to be huge. And then, again, it's going to come down to scoring points. And I think, you know, you mentioned East Carolina having a good tempo early in the, the uh, two-lane game. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be really important here. If they can speed the tempo up, when Memphis is that big, heavy pressure team, you can make them get those blitzes called and make sure they have picked up and then you're playing fast. Sometimes the defense can lose people. And I think if they speed the tempo up, it might help them a little bit. Coach, uh, obviously you see you a lot like Memphis. They like to have that that run – you know, pass balance, the running back room uh, is is pretty banged up right now. So how does that change things maybe for the Pirates potentially? Yeah, well, again, I mean, it puts more on your quarterback and your receivers. The, the thing I like about East Carolina, they have some great-looking wide receivers. I mean, ECU has got some guys on the edge out there that can play and make plays. And that's why I say I think they're going to have to prove that they can throw the football down the field. You know, he throws things over the middle, some end cuts, uh, you know, a guy wins some 50-50 balls, all those type of things, because those opportunities are going to be there against Memphis. They're going to be in man coverage. You're going to have those opportunities. And if you're banged up at the running back position, um, you know, that's one way to get over that. Ayler's running the ball. You know, he's yeah. not the fastest guy out there, but he runs well, and he's athletic. So him being able to do that. And, again, people playing man coverage, there's nobody spying on the quarterback if he does break through the pocket and go. So I think that would be another – positive for East Carolina if they can get that done. We had Marcus Crandall, who's going into the Hall of Fame uh, when he kind of returned to Eastern North Carolina before he got into coaching. Um, he was with us uh, on, on the radio for a year or two. You had uh, obviously a chance to, to work with Marcus at ECU. So what, what are some some fond memories on uh, that of Marcus Crandall's time? Oh, man, I tell you what, he, he was one of the best quarterbacks I've ever been around, Patrick. And I tell you what, he uh, he had a great ability to anticipate throws. You know, some quarterbacks have to wait till a receiver comes open, then they can throw it. The great ones anticipate people coming open. Marcus had great vision of the field. 
and he could anticipate people coming open and that ball would be thrown before the receiver was even turning around. And he really had a strong arm and a great mind. He was one of the most intelligent quarterbacks that I think I've ever worked with. You know, he, he really had a great mind for the game. Uh, he was fun to be around. He was a great one. If he, if he had height, if, and he'll hate, hate me for saying this, he's 5'11". He'll say he's 6'2". He's 5'11". <laughs> but if Marcus was 6'2", he had been playing the NFL, there's no doubt. Yeah. They, he just didn't get that opportunity because of his height. But uh, exceptionally quick release, too, was one of the things with Marcus. And, uh, boy, I tell you what, we won a lot of football games just because of him. Yeah, he played bigger than 5'11". That, that's Oh, and, he, yeah. and like I say, he had a great feel for the game. He knew when to run. He knew when to scramble to throw. You know, he was great taking care of the ball. And he was what I was talking to you about. He made you a dangerous play caller mm-hmm. because – third and three you could dial up any play you want and if it wasn't there he would run it or he would check it down and throw it to somebody to get the first down yeah but you you could have total trust in him and that's what makes you good Wolfpacker without uh Devin Leary presumably uh, for the Syracuse game uh presumably for uh the game after that which I'm not going to pretend to know the state schedule but then they've got a little over three weeks maybe for Devin Leary to be ready for the wake game how much does Leary being out change things for the Wolfpack? And and you know what, what do you what do you make of the state comeback against FSU with Leary uh, out? Yeah, I mean, great gut check by them to win the football game. Ugly, you, you know, their their defense really bailed them out, and they've got a great defense. Um, it's a shame he's got hurt. He's a talent. I don't think they've really used him like they should this year. To be honest with you, I, I think they've been playing very conservative on offense and just hoping their defense can win games for them. And I've always been the mindset, if you have a really good defense, you can play even more aggressive on offense. The defense is going to bail you out if you make a mistake. But that's how you score points and and help them in big games like that. So, um, you know, I think they kind of didn't take the opportunities to use him better than what they did. Uh, Syracuse is a tough place to play. We talked talked about Tulane being tough. Syracuse is tough just on the other spectrum. It is loud in that dome. I mean, you can't hear yourself think. Uh, it's a great atmosphere, but it is a tough place to play. It's a tough trip, and it's a tough place to play. So that's going to be a rough game for State without him. Yeah. Uh, looking here at the Wolfpack uh, schedule, uh, so they would have uh, Syracuse and then Virginia Tech on a uh, Thursday. So then uh, November 5th is the uh, game between Wake and State in uh, Raleigh. Duke, Carolina this weekend, and the Blue Devils are, are coming off a, a loss. But UNC, look, they've lost one game. They've got probably the most exciting young quarterback in May, uh, certainly in the ACC, maybe one of the more exciting younger ones in college football. So, I mean, again, I think it goes back to anytime you have a dynamic and great quarterback, you're going to have a chance to pile up points and win football games. UNC, they definitely take chances on offense and because their defense couldn't stop uh, you, me, and Ben Byram if we, uh, you know, drew, drawing up plays in the dirt and, and running it against them. Yeah, and you know what? Give them credit. They understand where their weaknesses are, and and so their offense knows they've got to go out and score. But that's really across the country right now. I mean, you really have to score points in today's college game if you're going to win, no matter matter how good uh, your defense is. You know, Nick Saban is a defensive guy, has been forever, right? But even he understood that the game was changing. And you look what his offenses used to be and what they are now, totally 100% different. 
Speaking and of, he understands you got to score points. So, speaking of, of statement, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Coach. Carolina's gotten a little bit better on defense yeah, the last couple yeah. of games, but you're right. They're they're no juggernaut, and they, they've got to score points to win. But that quarterback, again, he's another one. He makes you dangerous as a play caller because he doesn't make many mistakes, and you can dial things up for him. They have a lot of trust in him. You can tell by the way they call the game. And then uh, speaking of Saban, uh, does Tennessee have a chance to beat Alabama this year, you think? I think they do, especially in Knoxville. And, uh, you know, again, Tennessee is kind of what we talk about with Carolina. They're not a great defense, but they're they're good. They're okay. But their offense is really difficult to stop. And they understand, you know, scoring points. They understand tempo. They understand how to speed it up and slow it down. And Josh Heupel's done a great job of coaching there. I mean, that was a dumpster fire when he walked in oh, there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Players leaving and transferring and recruiting. I mean, what he's done there in a short amount of time is remarkable. Now, I'm from right outside Knoxville, so I can tell you they've got all the resources known to man there. I mean, their facilities and money and all the things that go into that that job. Uh, but boy, he's done a tremendous job. That'll be a really good football game, especially if Alabama doesn't have their quarterback. Yeah, that evens yeah. things up quite a bit. Yeah. I fell down the rabbit hole of staying up and watching that because it was close the other night. I was, you know, after the ECU game and wrapped up obligations, we went on a little walk, and then uh, my wife and I did, and I was, oh, we're going to bed early. But these games were all so close, you know, and and that one especially was real intriguing. Uh, I thought uh, A&M had a shot. Hey, uh, Coach, it's great to talk to you, man. Appreciate it. We'll, We'll catch up with you next week. Patrick, I appreciate it. Hey, I just want to congratulate the 72 oh, team is going to be honored to East yeah, Carolina. Yeah, go ahead and uh, go through that. Yeah, I, I meant yeah, that. I meant that. Jim Post, Jim Post is a neighbor of mine down at Emerald. He was the captain of that football team. And I just love talking to Jim about East Carolina days and playing football back then. I think that team was called the Mad Dogs. Yeah. So a great football team. Going to be honored there, 50th anniversary. So, man, everybody get out and. Congratulate those guys. That uh, I'm glad you brought that up. I, I'm sorry I didn't mention that. Uh, but, yeah, congratulations to the Mad Dogs. Mad Dogs. And uh, Jim posted all of those other guys that will be honored on Saturday. Hey, Coach, great to talk to you. Okay, Patrick. Take care, buddy. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Time to uh, hear some final words from Coach Coach Houston before tomorrow's big homecoming game against Memphis. Ain't no coming like a homecoming, as Virgil Clark once said. Let us uh, go to the first question here. How have the last few days gone, Coach? Energetic. Determined. I think it's been good. <laughs> Sounds like it. What a great question. Uh, no, no, no. I, the question, who cares? The answer is fantastic. Play that one more time. This is so good. I love Coach Houston. This is great. Energetic. <laughs> Determined. I think it's been good. <laughs> it's been good. Some bold words. Energetic. Determined. Man, it's been all right. Been good. Been That's good. like me describing uh, Ric Flair's last match. <laughs> Uh, this is Mike Houston on the excitement of coming back home. I think it means a lot to them. I mean, that's, you know, that's a big selling point for us in recruiting is the passion of our fan base. Um, you know, the, the new guys are just with us here this year. I mean, they've, uh, they've really appreciated the way our fans have been. Um, I think it's always great when we're playing here. And that's, uh, that's one of the special things about East Carolina. 
And then uh, coach on uh, practicing for what teams may throw at the Pirates. That's always the challenge is, is, is trying to, number one, you know, decipher what, uh, you know, what they're going to do. And then number two, get that look and practice. Um, you know, the good on good stuff, you know, we do a lot of things defensively. So that's always beneficial. Um, but I think it's just, you know, I think our scouts have tried, you know, really hard this week to give us the looks uh, up front, uh, you know, that we're going to get uh, with all the moving pieces. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think uh, it's, you know, it's not easy, but, you know, as, as the, each day goes on, you clean up a little bit more and more. And so Memphis is doing the same thing. You know, they're going to honor uh, the uh, 72 championship team, and they're going to uh, obviously honor Marcus Crandall as he goes into the ECU Hall of Fame, uh, rightfully so, this weekend. And uh, Coach, uh, I'll say this about Coach Houston, and I think this is probably because of um, – well, he's a student of the game, but he also, you know, is from the state and knows what ECU football means to that fan base, this part of the state. Well, he and, wanted to uh, be a part, if you remember yeah. that story, yeah. Yeah. So he talks about honoring uh, past uh, ECU teams and and uh, what it means to wear the uh, Pirate jersey. You know, we talk a lot about, you know, what kind of the history here and uh, – you know some of the some of the great teams that there's been here, um, and so I think uh, you know honoring uh, that Peach Bowl team uh, with this look I think is very appropriate. Um, you know our, our guys they they take a lot of pride in uh, in how they represent East Carolina University, and uh, that's why that's why Saturday bothered them. You know that we were not at our best last Saturday, and so uh, it's been a it's been a week where you know they take a lot of pride in what they're going to do out in the field. They understand uh, you know what this Saturday means. And so uh, I'm excited to see us out there on the field. I did a hit yesterday on Memphis radio and uh, they asked me about this uniform combo. This is, that's a big deal. And look, I understand. I like the white look. I think it's a clean look. I, I really do like it. I understand that the team has won much wearing the white unis and people get upset about uh, that and it's cursed and all that. But I mean, I, I do think this is a pretty sweet look. Uh, so you're telling me they didn't ask you about a white helmet curse. That's only pirate fans. No, they asked me about the uniform combo for this weekend. That's what they asked me about. So they didn't, I, they didn't ask you about a curse or anything like that. No, there was no curse. Okay. All right. There's, so they're reasonable no people down there in uh, Memphis. They were very accommodating. It was very nice to be, that's going to be on their pregame show. They explained it all to me and I, I was happy to be asked to do it. So I was, it was they have a pregame show much like we do. That's kind of. I've always been they interested do. to see what the other American teams do, and I just figured they didn't do stuff like that. But it's kind of cool to see that there are other programs in the American doing really unique, cool shows like that. So I, I'm glad Memphis. You know, Memphis for all the, you know, the it's just Memphis basketball. Yeah, it is. But you know, they their fans get a little bit behind the Grizzlies, so there's a little bit of that talk out there. But they ha that's a good, that's a really like invested sports market. Like they get, I think they get knocked a lot of times because they just say it's Memphis and it is, I mean, they look, they're 20,000 for a Memphis basketball home game. The Grizzlies, when they're playing well, draw well in Memphis, but I think that their football is proof, especially if they had a better stadium situation, you know, Hey, they, the fans will show up. Now they're going to show up 80,000, probably not, but they'll show up and they'll get behind the team. And I mean, look, I just watched uh part of something the other night. There's this thing on vice about, uh, territory wrestling that they're doing 
and they did the whole thing on uh, Kaufman and Lawler. You know, uh, Ooh, Andy Kaufman and Jerry Lawler is a great show. If you've not seen it, I would seek it out. Um, but it really, I mean, but they're drawing ten thousand to the to the Memphis Coliseum, the Mid South Coliseum, every week for Memphis wrestling back in the hate. I mean, so I mean, people there get behind, you know sporting event or get behind games and they get behind combat sports and, and stuff like that. I mean, Memphis is a pretty decent little sports market. Well, I believe Lennox Lewis fought Mike Tyson in Memphis yeah. to a record yeah. crowd. So, I mean, yeah, Memphis has always been big about sports. And if you think back to last year when ECU played Memphis, there wasn't like a huge crowd at that game, but the fans that were there were dressed up looking like maniacs. Yeah. I mean, they had the face paint on, the whole deal going on. So they're a very passionate fan base. It's just a matter of putting a winning product on the field or a more consistent product on the field, and maybe you'll see results. And they're putting uh, renovations on that stadium, that old yeah. decrepit Liberty crypt Bowl, yeah. they got going on there. So, yeah, I mean, maybe that would uh, help matters there a little bit. I think long as they fix the press box situation for the radio booth, David Horn will be happy. Oh, is it, is it that bad? It's very narrow, yes. All right, back to Coach Houston talking about – what homecoming means to ECU. Homecoming's for you guys, the fans. Okay, our job is to play the football game. You know that's that's it. That's you know that's everywhere I've been. I, I, I tell them, you know, our job is to make sure everybody has a great homecoming by taking care of business on game day. Outside of that, homecoming is no different than any other game. There you go. He says uh, the team is focused on this game. I, I just think that there's been, you know, haven't been any messing around out there. Uh, you know, a lot of business. They've, they've had good energy, but uh, you know they're focused on you know us playing well Saturday, and so uh, you know that's that's refreshing. So um, you know that's uh, I think that's that's their deal. Is you know everybody wants to get the bad taste out of their mouth from last weekend. And this is a coach on the message sent to the players. That ain't us. We ain't gonna play like that. You know, it's that that name in front of our jersey means something, and I've said that to them a lot. And they take very seriously how they represent this institution, how they represent, you know, this fan base. Um, you know, that means you're going to win them all. Okay, we're going to play our tails off. That's that's our deal. All right. Uh, great stuff there from Mike Houston. That is today's Pirate Report. Our coverage begins at 4 o'clock with our Pirate Game Day Countdown pre-show with Ben Byram anchoring that for you. And then uh, Terrence Copper and I will have Pirate Game Day Countdown for Bush Light from the stadium, Town Bank Tower. All right, we're going to wrap the show up on the other side. Adam Gold will be with us. Talk uh, some uh, Hurricanes hockey. Talk some Panthers. Adam Gold from the Adam Gold Show as we wrap things up on the Patrick Johnson Show on a Football Friday Get You to the Weekend Edition. I think an award-winning appearance today on the Adam Gold Show. Now, Adam Gold is on the Patrick Johnson Show. And uh, it works out because the shows are named after us. If I were on the Adam Gold Show and he were hosting the Patrick Johnson Show, it would make no sense. None whatsoever. Uh, but he can be a guest, and I can be a guest, and we can come on, and we can just talk all kinds of fun things. Hello, Adam Gold. Hello, Patrick Johnson. It would be total confusion if it was the other way around. If it would make no sense. None whatsoever. Um... I hope you're well. I know you're a busy, busy guy. You got a late night tonight. You had uh, a lot of fun out at SAS today. 
So there's many things uh, that uh, you could be doing other than talking to me on the radio, so I greatly appreciate it. All right, PJ, I can't hear you. Uh-oh. There we go. Now, now I can. Oh, I said thank you for doing this because there's a million other things you could <laughs> be doing. So really, thanks. Well, a pleasure is mine, man. Let's, uh, let's get it done. All right. I want to ask you a little bit about uh, – I think you've been really, really smart on this with the Panthers. And sure, it was time, probably past time to to move on from Matt Rule. Probably could have been done in the offseason, but uh, they, they elected to bring him back. Steve Wilkes, I think, could be an excellent candidate, but he and he'll have time to prove that. So I, I, I think all of that is, is, is something. But there's just no identity right now with this franchise and or and what I mean by that is there's no direction. There just doesn't seem like there's a plan. Well, I completely agree with that. And there hasn't been a plan for three years. They've been a moth drawn to light uh, since David Tepper took over. And the chasing of the franchise quarterback, not even the franchise quarterback, uh, but incremental improvements, if any, have, I think, have set the organization back. Mm-hmm. Uh, quick, quickly on rule, in normal situations, if you are really hiring a coach to a rebuild, uh, then if everything is as going as planned, then, yeah, you don't cut the cord after two years. But there was never an indication from that rule that the NFL wasn't, like, too much for him. And that's okay. Some people are college coaches, and I think that's where he is. And he's, he can be a very good one. But the two games are drastically different. There are a lot, I don't know that I'd want Mike Krzyzewski to be an NBA coach. <laughs> right. But nobody is doubting his brilliance or Roy Williams as a, as a college coach. Tom Izzo, those guys are brilliant college coaches. But the NBA game is way, way, way different. So it's not a it's not a knock to say that Matt Rule is a college coach, but I'll guarantee you this, he's not an NFL coach, and that was obvious really early in year two. There was no reason to give him year three. And, and I understand the arguments, well, he's a built not. No, in other situations maybe, but not in this one, because there was zero indication he was going to get it done. Uh, as for the quarterback and chasing that, the mistake was made in year one, giving Teddy Bridgewater a three-year deal when you simply should have just rode it out with Cam, let Newton be your quarterback. He wasn't very good at that point because he was a broken player, uh, physically broken. Let him ride it out, play the last year out with Cam, and then move on to a completely new regime, a new system. But that isn't what they did. So we went to Teddy Bridgewater that they paid him to play for somebody else. Sam Darnold, no good. Baker Mayfield, I mean, I think he's better than Sam. He hasn't played like it. But they've, uh, their issues have been chasing the uh, the proverbial franchise quarterback, and they've just failed at every turn. Yeah, we'll talk some canes here in a minute. Adam Gold from the Adam Gold Show, noon to three weekdays, statewide and here on 94.3 The Game. Tom Dundon gets a lot of uh, shade, I'll just say, as the sure. owner for whatever. 
David Tepper until this week, in my opinion, has kind of skated for this whole thing. That that's just an interesting sort of dichotomy there, in a way. Well, I mean, it, it all depends. Uh, Tepper has not skated on the Hill deal. Uh, well, I do think in recent months, it's now come around on Tepper. Probably would be. Yes, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, that's that's certainly something that's going to him a lot more than anything will haunt Tom Dundas. Uh, Dundon's made his mistake. Uh, but the difference is that if you're an owner, the number one priority is what does the team look that you present to your fans? And in that regard, Tom Dundon is a great <laughs> NHL owner. I mean, the, the, the Hurricanes are a legitimate Stanley Cup contender, which is the opposite of what David Tepper has been putting on the field for his fans. And, I mean, you saw it early in the game. And there's so many empty seats yeah. at Bank of America Stadium. Your fans always tell you what the, what's going on. Because if, they, if they're interested, if they're engaged, if the product is fun, I mean, you can lose. You can lose and be fun like Detroit. Detroit's fun <laughs> to watch lose. Right. But the Panthers have been brutal to watch. And it's been brutal for three years. I mean, it's just, it's, it's not enjoyable in any way, shape, or form to watch them play. Even when they win, the Saints game was terrible. Yeah. Terrible. And they won that game. You, you have to give them something. You got to be entertaining. So, Tep, I mean, this, the buck stops with Tepper, but he seems temperamental and, and thin skinned over this, this entire thing. And then I, I would be, okay, it didn't work with Rule, but hey, there are some pieces here. Let's, give Steve Wilkes every opportunity to prove what he can do. And then let's come out with a plan, but it looks like they're going to, they seem to be willing to blow this thing up, which I mean, it's just a reset and and it puts it back another two to five years. I think, I think Wilkes, if he does a good job, he'll be a candidate. He's been a head coach before, which actually helps. Um, He's uh, a little bit part of uh, the Panthers history, yeah, which I think helps too. Um, but ultimately, this team probably isn't good enough to win more than another three games. So it's, and I personally, this is not against anything against Steve Wilkes. If I were them, I would bring in an offensive coach. Yeah. I would, whether it's um, the enemy or it's, Left, which I would bring in an offensive coach. I think you need something that the fans are going to gravitate towards. We've had defensive coaches forever. Mm-hmm. George Seifert, Don Capers, <laughs> uh, Ron Rivera, John Fox, yeah. all these guys are defensive coaches. I mean, Matt Rule's been mostly offensive, but not offensive. Right. And they, and we need that they just need a little bit of offense to excite everybody. Unless you're going to go, get, uh, you know, a uh, the fan base that'd be a great, you know, an, an offensive weapon. But I don't foresee that happening. Although, if uh, when we get to this off season, if the Ravens decide to do the non-exclusive franchise tag on Lamar Jackson. Right. Throw, six, throw $60 million at Lamar Jackson and see what happens. 
It'd be fun. It could be fun at least. Uh, we've got uh, Adam Gold with us here. Adam Gold show weekdays at noon on uh, 94.3 The Game and uh, statewide on the uh, North Carolina Sports Network. Okay, so uh, we've got uh, the Canes skating on uh, West Coast time tonight. You know that better than anybody. <laughs> And uh, and uh, yeah. it's that uh, state fair road trip that always uh, happens in Raleigh uh, this time of year. So uh, obviously, just fantastic the other night, shut down the Blue Jackets. And you said it earlier that this is a Stanley Cup team. Give us a little season primer here on on the Canes. Well, um, they recovered from a slow start against Columbus. They were kind of – Freddie Anderson really bailed them out. I thought Freddie was tremendous uh, in the first 25 minutes of the game uh, and at spots in the second period when he had to be, uh, he was really good. Um, they have every element. That, I mean, they really do. They on the, on the back end, I mean, the good – obviously very good goaltending, uh, but their top four defensemen, uh, I'd stack up against any top four in the NHL. Um, there are others that are maybe better offensively, but the combination of offense and defense, I don't think there's a better top four in the entire league than what Carolina puts on the ice. Uh, Brent Burns will be a great addition. He's also going to be super on the power play. Uh, so you, you have that. But they're also incredibly deep in terms of their forwards. I don't know that their best line against Columbus wasn't their fourth line. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, if you can get good energy and some production, you don't need a lot, some production out of your fourth line, man, you're way ahead of the game. And their fourth line was really, really good last night. Or uh, was it Wednesday night? Yeah. Um, but they're so deep in terms of their talent level at forward. You have the Ajos and the Teravinans and Jarvis scored a goal. Uh, Martin Natchez had three points, and they're looking for a big year from him. And Svechnikov scored as well. So they just have a lot of elements. The one thing, if I was thinking down the road that they're going to have to maybe address is maybe just a little bit of, we'll just call it sandpaper, uh, either in your another element like of that, in your forward group or on the back end, which they don't really have a ton of, mm-hmm. but they might not need it. Florida, rather, Colorado didn't have a ton of that last year. Not a ton of it. They had a little bit of it. Not a ton of it. Yeah. We'll see if uh, Carolina could use a little bit of it. I'm, I'm on this. I'm not. On, I'm just not waiting until the postseason for the bandwagon, Adam. I'm on firmly good. the whole season. The whole season, I'm team. on. Yeah. So, it's a good team. Yeah, I'm, I'm on uh, this. We'll see how long that goes. But uh, hey, I always will come back for the playoffs. That's the, that's the one thing. Uh, the great that's Adam, fine. the great Adam Gold is with us here. We've not uh, talked a lot on our show this week. Uh, well, we have a little about Duke UNC. And uh, it's a game that is quite compelling in football uh, tomorrow night in Durham. Uh, Tar Heels played, I don't even know if they played any defense, but Miami was just stinky enough to to not be able to overcome them. Drake May is fabulous. Uh, look, yeah. I'm going to admit that um, I, I was not a believer in Elko. I, he looked like a guy that you would call to, to bundle your uh, home and car insurance, and, and I just didn't think he was going to get it done. But he's, he's done a fabulous job, and Duke can sling the pill around a little bit. Yeah, they can, they can throw it. Duke, Duke's got some injury issues um, really all over the field. Um, and that's, they don't have great depth to begin with. Right. 
but because of their injury issues, it's it's even a, it's a little bit more dicey for uh, for them. But I think they're they at least know what they're doing, and that ha- I mean, and this is not a knock on David Cutcliffe. Oh, it pains he knew me. What he was doing it, right. It, it pains me anytime we we have to slander Cutcliffe. It does. He he knew what he was doing. Yeah. yeah. But the message just wasn't getting through, and I think that David. I don't think David had the best coaches around no, him. He did and, not. He, and he was really, really loyal to the ones that he did have. Uh, I think that this team has just a little bit of new life has been really good for them. But to be honest, I just don't see how they're going to stop North Carolina enough. I yeah. think Duke will score mm-hmm. uh, because uh, Leonard is a good quarterback. They protect him well enough. And I think they'll be able to run the ball effectively on UNC because everybody can. Um, But I just don't think that they can score with Carolina. So now we're talking about can Duke get to the 40s? And even though Carolina's defense is really no good, I don't think they can get to the 40s on UNC. I think the Tariels will win this game, I don't know, by 10 points. They're going to win the Coastal. North Carolina's going to win the Coastal Division. Yeah, it looks like it. Coastal chaos. None of that this year. None of it this year. Uh, I could talk. There's a million things we could talk about because uh, you're, you're great uh, on a lot of these things. Uh, but uh, we'll save it for another time. Always great to have you on, Adam. Thank you so much. Any, anytime. Anytime, Pat. Looks like that uh, Jay Bat, who was, uh, of course, at ECU for a little bit with the Pirate Club now at Alabama, might find himself as the uh, new AD of Georgia Tech. Uh, That is a report swirling around. Hey, thanks to Adam Gold just now for being with us. Enjoyed being on his show today uh, with Josh Graham. Them's the breaks. Uh, Also (laughs) enjoyed, uh, I kid, I kid, I kid. I uh, also uh, really appreciate uh, Doug Martin coming on with us. He's been fantastic this year. Uh, Big thanks to Ben B-Baby Byram as always. And uh, we will be on the air tomorrow at 4 o'clock with our coverage of ECU in Memphis. Pirate Game Day countdown for Bush Light begins at 4.30 with T-Cop and myself outside the Town Bank Tower. Uh, Go Pirates this weekend. Ain't no coming like a homecoming. You have an absolutely great and safe weekend out there, folks. And we will greet you back here Monday on the Patrick Johnson Show. Take care. Tonight